0: This episode of the America First podcast with me, Sebastian Gorka, is brought to you by Franklin Armory. Shop freedom, quality and innovation at FranklinArmory.com. Franklin Armory, we are facilitators of freedom. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Impressive. Most Impressive. Seeing you people wouldn't believe. You want to talk to God? Let's go
1: see him again.
0: Grinning like a Cheshire cat, he's my co-host on Making Movies Great Again. I'm Sebastian Walker, and he's Mr. Reagan, otherwise known as Chris Coles, and we're going to have a doozy for you today. Chris, did you have fun doing the laborious salt mining research for today's episode of Making Movies Great Again?
1: You know, as, you, as soon as you see that mountain, as soon as you see that silhouette of Indy, you have to smile. It's yes! so great. And that music, you know, that was back in the We talked about this in previous episodes. But, man, back in the old days when they used to have a great music, theme music that you could hum to yourself after seeing the movie, man, it just – its it does add something magnificent that we've really lost in the modern day, you know?
0: All right, so we're only going to discuss the three movies that were ever made. We're going to talk about Raiders. (laughs) We're going to talk about The Temple of Doom, the dark one, when he was getting divorced or whatever. And then we're going to talk about uh, the fun one with Sean Connery. We're going to talk about The Holy Grail because there are no other indie movies, definitely. They're not making a new (laughs) one either. Um, You're a little younger than me. Um, How old are you, you whippersnapper? I'm now 43. I just turned 43. Oh, you're such a little boy! All right. So, when, <laughs> when did um, the fedora enter your consciousness? Which which movie was it? How does how, what what are your first memories of the bullwhip and the leather jacket?
1: Well, I'll tell you. I I tried to dress appropriately for today, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, you know, when I was a boy, Indiana Jones was the movie. That got me into writing screenplays. That got me wow. into wanting to make films. Really, because I used to draw. You know, it's like some kids draw a lot; they're pretty good at drawing. I had that artistic nature, uh, but I could never draw as well as my imagination would would like uh, render images. But in making a film, you could set it up to where, yeah, you could make that image. And so I was really drawn to filmmaking. But I realized, as a, even as like a little boy, I think I was like five or something, and I remember thinking. I want to be like Indiana Jones. I want to uh think the way he does, believe the things that he believes. And I thought, well, but this is something that a writer wrote. Yeah. So he's not really a real person. This is a writer presenting his ideas of what he thinks is true, and I shouldn't be influenced to believe those things. So like even as a boy I understood the power uh that that filmmaking had, and I thought like I think I'm a good person as like a little child. I was like, I think I'm a good person. I should make films so that I could influence people to to be good people. Right. So that was actually uh, my first inclination to make films was because of Indiana Jones and thinking about how much of an impact it had on me.
0: All right. Clearly it had a a massive impact on you as, as the spur for your career because you did became a a writer and an actor. Uh, Let's, let's tackle head on the first question, get it out of the way and then just enjoy ourselves uh, over the years, even some of the people involved with the making of these movies have categorized them, Chris, as as B-movies, as, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. substandard kind of hokey fun. I think this is one of the best movies. I mean, if you have to give me the top five movies to choose, Raiders will be amongst the top five. Where does this B-movie thing come from, and isn't it unfair?
1: Yeah, uh, well, it's definitely unfair, but I would say that there's a lot of different kinds of films, right? You write a film for a specific purpose, and there are some really powerful, amazing films that I will never want to see more than once. You know what I mean? Like really beautifully well-made, impressive films, but they're not fun. You know, they're not funny. They're not exciting. Watching Indiana Jones is just so much fun, it, especially if you haven't seen it in a while, it, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark in particular. You forget some things, and you're watching it, and you're thinking, man, this is just fantastic. I want to do this. I want to be on this adventure. I don't think you can make film better than that, right? To make the audience want to be doing the thing in the film that they're watching, that, yes. I mean, that's to me, that's the ultimate
0: goal right there. If you can make them want to be in the film – then you've won. If you I feel if like. you want to emulate the protagonist, then uh, the person making the movie uh, has done their job. Even even this, I mean, this this moment that they're traveling, you know, to Nepal. It, there's, there's no amazing special effects. I think the seaplane was you know filmed somewhere out in California, and then they have this. You can say it's hokey. This image of the plane. Uh, moving over a map the red line but it's perfect it 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 takes you back it's kind of a a period special effects uh, if you will um when when we think about this incredible series that is still going we have to just address one issue would this still be have as engrossing as much of a phenomena if they had released Tom Selleck from his contract for Magnum and he had actually been Indiana Jones, as was originally planned, Chris, how, how would have that worked? Yeah, it's really hard to imagine it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I I love Tom a, Selleck. I, I mean, I love Tom Selleck, but it's hard. It's hard.
1: You know what? Honestly, I've tried many times to him. Every time I think about Tom Selleck in the part, I sit there and I try to imagine Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones, and it really just doesn't work. But at the end of the day... It's really hard to know because it just would have been a completely different series of films. And to imagine Tom Selleck in the role, I think, is impossible because there's so much that would have to change, so much different. In order to prepare for this uh, radio show, I I watched a documentary from the era, from the time that they filmed Raiders. And I could see – I believe that um, Spielberg said that he called Lucas – and he said that they had they had brought in all these guys to audition for Indy. And he said nobody was even close. He goes, then Empire comes out. Yes. I'm sitting there and I'm watching Empire, right. and I immediately call up George and I go, George, you know, you 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 know, you know who's <laughs> I I know who's going to be Indy. You know who's going to be. Indie. He goes, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Harrison. Right. He's like he's like, yeah, I don't even have to tell you. So they knew they knew just you know before they even. Uh, before they even asked you know before they even they, they they knew they knew from the beginning I think they just didn't want to do it for some reason George didn't i guess because he had worked with Harrison yes. so much, he just didn't want to rely on him like a crutch like this right. is the guy that makes my films work
0: but you know actors are very powerful and 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 to be you know honest here he's he's quite a dick. In, in private life, if you if you look at the interviews with Harrison Ford, he just doesn't give a crap. I mean, he just like it's, it's like the voiceover for Blade Runner. He just does not want to do anything more than the paycheck. He says, yes, yes no, when he's asked questions. But, re, re you know, watching these movies in the last couple of days, he's so good. I mean, even that moment from Temple of Doom, where the spikes are coming down, just that line, we are going to die. I mean, th- there's not a good way to deliver that, believably, but he really always steps up to the plate. He never phones it in, does he, Chris? Well, I-, I will say
1: that there are certain faces, there are certain kinds of people who can deliver an overly dramatic line, and it still seems a bit understated. Yeah, yeah the way he goes, we are going to die, <laughs> in inside the, like, the little thing, you know? <laughs> He moves his whole face, yeah, and it somehow it still seems understated, and and I think that that is a kind of just like a gift, you know. What are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, I think in order to like being a dick and not caring, I think is part of <laughs> what what you what you need to be to be a leading man. Like uh, I think uh, Bruce Willis is a little bit like this. He's like uh, you know what is acting? You know, acting's going on set, saying a you know playing make believe. Right. He doesn't respect the acting profession, and actually my favorite actors are actors that don't respect acting because they go on set. And I will tell you most of the roles that I've gotten in Hollywood have been roles in which I went up to the audition and I thought, well, I don't think I'm going to get this. I'm not right for the part. Right. You, and you, so you, I just went in and I kind of
0: nervous you were yourself and you got it right.
1: Not just that, but there were instances when I literally was not right for the part. There's at least two I can remember off the top of my head and they changed the character for me. <laughs> They're like, we wanted an older guy, but you're so good. We're going to change the, We're going to rewrite it.
0: That's why he's authentic. He's Mr. Reagan. Chris Cole's follow him, the Mr. Reagan channel on YouTube. We'll talk about his new venture momentarily, Mr. Reagan USA on Twitter. I'm Sebastian Gorka. If you enjoy this as much as we love providing it to you, make sure you are subscribed. Go to Spotify, plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Never, ever miss an episode of Making Movies Great Again. And then don't forget, oh, and leave us a five-star review. It truly does help. And if You want any of our merchandise. It's so cool. It's almost Christmas. It's all made in America. Go to SebGorkaStore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorkaStore.com. Go there right now. Stay with us for more Making Movies Great Again with me, Sebastian Gorka and Chris Coles. Coles. Christmas will be upon us. We've just seen Thanksgiving. I hope you had a blessed, blessed Thanksgiving. What is your Christmas going to be like? For me, the memories of Christmas I have are always, they fill my heart. They warm me inside. I was spoilt rotten as an only child by my parents. If you have pleasant memories of Christmas as a child, can you imagine what it is like to celebrate Christmas and to feel good in yourself when one of your parents is missing? And not just traveling or away on business, but they're in prison. One and a half million children in America have a mother or father behind bars this Christmas. One and a half million. And 60% plus of them will end up in prison as well. We need to break that cycle. And that is the mission of the Prison Fellowship Program. Every year, we help these children. Last year, you donated enough to make Christmas better for 230,000 children. $25 provides them a Christmas gift from their incarcerated parent with a note of love that they are being remembered from that mother or father and a children's gospel. Will you help us, please? Let's let's get that number up to 300,000 this year. Let's see how many lives we can make better, how many Christmases we can make better. Please go today to my website and click on the Angel Tree campaign banner at the very top. Donate as much as you can. $125 is five children whose Christmas will be a little, little bit better because of you. Or you can call in your donation, 888-206-2794. That's Angel Tree, 888-206-2794. Thank you to all of you who have already donated and to all of you who will. It's one of the most blessed things you can do this Christmas. Okay, before we go on, uh, you mentioned uh, you got very entertained last week, or you entertained yourself by Porkins, one of the Star Wars characters yes. who is in Raiders, right? Is he? Oh yeah, he is. Of course he is. At the beginning, <laughs> in the college, he's, he's one he's of the
1: uh, government agents.
0: One of the men from the ministry, from the you know the defense ministry, the Department of Defense. That's Porkins.
1: I didn't even. That never clicked until this moment. That's amazing. That's been. Didn't either of you ever go to Sunday school? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that guy's face, his colleague's face, looks like he's you know eating a lemon when he asks. Him. Yeah. And, and oh such, well. Such a superb scene. I mean, just the the the, the chalkboard the headpiece to the staff of Ra and then he opens the book and magically that book with 2,000 pages opens on the page with the picture of the ARP right? Just, just, right. just happens to open on that page and You p- know, that's the great
1: thing about those movies I've never thought about how what a a magical moment that is until <laughs> until just now. It didn't occur to me that that was weird. But you know, back then, you know, in the eighties, that was kind of how things were done. You just did things for convenience sometimes. Yeah. But uh, and and you know, I'm looking, I'm watching this documentary how they made it. They put so much work into it. They really loved the craft of filmmaking. You know, what's interesting about Raiders? Uh, in that documentary I watched, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg says that he, that George Lucas wrote. Raiders of the Lost Ark, based on his own actual beliefs about what happened to the Ark. The, really? The, he wrote an adventure story around his own research about the Ark, believing that the Ark is available to be discovered somewhere.
0: Well, there, there is a theory that it is in uh, Ethiopia. Have you followed that? Graham Hancock's uh, book, there, There is a church in Ethiopia that says they have the ark, and every year, once mm-hmm. a year, they bring it out and they have a parade, but it is covered, and only one man is ever allowed into the sanctum. Are you familiar with it?
1: <laughs> I am, yeah, yeah. I've read about this, yeah.
0: All right. Uh, I want us to compare the movies to each other, but let's talk about best scenes. We're playing the truck convoy horse chase scene. What what stands out from for you from the first movie, Chris?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along.
0: I know, but, I mean, isn't this one of the climactic moments, the under the truck? That's a line. That's
1: a line from the movie.
0: <laughs> I know <laughs> it fact, is. In fact, that's a line coming up right
1: here. <laughs> no, just before.
0: Just before he got on the <laughs> just horse. Just before this. You're right. He you're says right, it just... to Salah. And you always oh, have gosh. to have a Welshman play an Egyptian right it's, it's essential <laughs> oh he's and he's fantastic oh yes and what about i ba- you know, i it's hard to de-
1: decide which scene is best because it really goes from like one amazing moment to the next during this film there's not a lot of room to breathe it's just excite it's either excitement or funny or fun
0: and there's and, not I, there's not there's no moment where it
1: goes flat mm-hmm no, no, it, there's a kind of it's almost like music. It's almost like a song, right? You, it just flows into the next bit. And uh, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> this was epic. When, when I was a kid watching this happen and you actually see the guy get run over, I don't remember a lot of instances when I was uh, when I was young in the 80s watching somebody get run over by a truck. So this is actually, but but, quite- but
0: even that oh, okay. there, there, there's a there's a hint of hilarity because oh, it's a course. kind of jokey. It's his, his legs spring up as the yeah. truck crushes him. It's like it's like a clown, you know, it's like the clown car at the circus, and his legs pop right. up. So even the yeah. way they deal with that is such a deft touch. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's this
1: nice balance, and that's the really great. When I was growing up. Films like this were fun. They were exciting but they were also funny. And I think that we've lost that balance a lot. And it was really bizarre to me because you'd think that they had nailed it down so tightly in the 80s, the early 90s, and then they just kind of like lost it. And I I just feel like it should have gotten better, but it didn't. It kind of got worse. And we have films that are... I feel like they're overly silly, or they're o- they take themselves too seriously, and you just can't find the right balance that you found in films like these.
0: Let's let's go back one cut. Uh, cut four. This is you know the, the uh, infamous, the notorious, bizarre scene mm. when allegedly you know everybody's got dysentery, everybody's uh, sick except Spielberg because he eats out of you know tin cans in Tunisia or wherever they are. Harrison is too sick for the sword fight with the the people kidnapping Marion. And so instead of having an extensive sword fight, he just pulls out the handgun and shoots him. This is, again, it's, there's a touch of humor there, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful moment and kind of spur of the moment. There were scenes uh, when they were shooting where Harrison Ford would just make jokes on set. So there's the scene where they're tied to the post. They got to close their eyes or else the the Ark of the Covenant is going to, burned them like it burned all the nazis and he's yelling at marion close your eyes marion close your eyes and apparently in the script in the in when they were shooting marion's going i can't i gotta open my eyes i gotta open my eyes and uh after a couple of bickering back and forth finally uh harrison ford just goes all right fine open them (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and spielberg's laughing at the camera and he's like okay cut cut we got it you know uh and so they were having fun Apparently, this was shot in a real town in Tunisia, Yeah. but because it was the 80s and they were trying to make it look like 1937, I believe, something like that, uh, there were no aerial antennas back then. And so they had to literally go around town, talk to the people who owned the houses, and manually take down every antenna oh, in yeah. that town. The,
0: the, 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 the so-called Cairo scene, when you see from Salah's house onto the whole city, they had to take down every stinking TV antenna.
1: Today, they would just do it digitally. Right. But back then, they physically had to go in, and of course, they'd be satellite dishes. Yeah, and they had to go in, and, and they had to physically manually take them down. Amazing, The the just the amount of work that it took to make a film back then, and these people were just they were dedicated. Oh, you and
0: know? and utterly utterly perfectionists. We're talking to Chris Cole's. He is the father of the Mister Reagan Channel. You've got to subscribe right now on YouTube. You've got to follow him at Mister Reagan USA on Twitter. He's got a brand new brand new channel that we will discuss as well. In the meantime, don't forget we are on all. Social media platforms by YouTube. You can follow us on True Social, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Rumble, on Cloud Hub, on Getter, on Telegram. We are everywhere. Most important is our new Substack. Follow me right there. It's my name in one word, SebastianGorker.substack.com. That's Sebastian Gorka.substack.com. My pillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, my buddy, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back to my listeners. The Percal bedsheet set is available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're on sale. For example, the queen size is regularly $89.98, but now for you, just $39.98 with your listener promo. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percal sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. It's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-829-8468 promo code GORKA or just go to MyPillow.com click on the radio list Square and plug in G-O-R-K-A that's 1-800-829-8468 or MyPillow.com code GORKA We're back with Chris Coles, a.k.a. Mr. Reagan, making movies great again. Thank you to everyone who makes our shows possible. If you support our advertisers, then we can keep providing you with America First and making movies great again. Uh, Please support Mike Lindell. You know he's been targeted. He's under attack. The FBI came after him. Walmart has banned his goods. Uh, Get Christmas presents for your loved ones. Get a good night's sleep. He's got over 150 amazing products. Some great, great Christmas offers. Bogo offers. Offers. Use my name for up to 66% off. Let's support this great Patriot. 72 million pillows sold. Absolutely stunning. Call today. The number is eight hundred eight two nine eight four six eight. That's eight hundred eight two nine eight four six eight. Or just go to MyPillow.com. But you've got to use the code Gorka. That's MyPillow.com. Promo code G-O-R-K-A. All right. While we play our final cut from Raiders, as uh, we move on to the Temple of Doom, which is your favorite yeah well i was gonna ask you here so for me um i love grail i find temple you know the the, you know when when kids are being whipped are kind of like you know spielberg george what are you doing here and 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 raiders is just perfection i mean raiders as you Mm -hmm. said it's just, it's like a symphony. The pieces just fit together. Yeah. So Ra- Raiders is the one, let me answer it this way. Raiders is the one I could watch whenever. I mean, there's, there's no time I would not want to watch it. I wouldn't say the same about Temple, for example. How about you?
1: Yeah. No, I don't understand. There are some people who Temple of Doom, that is their favorite indie film. Wow. And I personally, I don't get it. because They, they must be uh, creeps. Yeah, they must be. There's value here. I mean, there's a lot of value in this movie. Apparently, the uh, the chase in the the, the, the coal mine car. cars or whatever yeah. they were, the mine cars. These were. This was supposed to be in the first film. They couldn't figure out, manage how to work it in. Well, they they, so they, ran, they ran
0: out of money and time.
1: Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they, they wanted. They, wanted they to do may it have just like written this entire oh. film. Right, right. They may have just written this entire film around that one. Stunt, you know, thinking, oh, this is cool. How, What are we going to do around this? But it does sort of harken back to those old serials from yes. back in the day. So, you know, there is something valuable about it. It did – there was a lot of copying of this kind of theme in the 80s. You saw a lot of other properties using this kind of theme after this, uh, and it was a little creepy for sure. For me, Last Crusade is the funniest one, yes. and therefore that's the one I can watch the most often because I can watch anything – with comedy over and over again, as long as I forget the jokes, <laughs> I don't have a long memory. So,
0: <laughs> I, I will say for Temple, uh, there's one scene I can watch again and again and again, and it's the opening. I mean, Kate Capshaw's singing, you know, anything goes in Mandarin. The Bosley Berkeley setup. I mean, that's that's just so much fun, Chris. That's
1: the that's the James Bond scene that's the yes that's the that's the really uh, the homage to to bond and uh i think i told you i i i'm convinced after i re the spy who loves me um i'm pretty sure that the spy who loves me heavily influenced both raiders and uh and temple of doom
0: no i buy it i completely buy it and one more thing i think is impressive i mean it, it's an impressive movie uh, all told I watched again. I forgot. It was like day before yesterday when I watched this again. Mm-hmm. When they're angry with each other, when Willie and uh, India are angry with each other, and they're having that kind of sexual frisson in her bedroom, the banter, you know? Uh, yeah. I, what would you study? My, my Your nocturnal habits. It's bloody well done. The delivery is hilarious. True. True. And, you know, Spielberg ended up marrying her, I
1: believe, yes. right?
0: And the, And, and... They're still married, Chris. I checked it out. There's a right? Hollywood marriage, and they are still flipping married. How about that?
1: That, that is impressive. And uh, and I've worked with her daughter. I used to do background acting. And oh. I used to be on um, – I forget the show. Grey's Anatomy. Uh-huh. I, I used to do background. Hang on. Background my, 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 my
0: wife and daughter love that. You're going to have to text they, they me. They've
1: probably seen me walk around in the background.
0: You've got to show me. you got to tell me which episodes. You've got to text me, all right? Yeah. Oh,
1: many years ago. I don't. I, honestly, I could never find. I, there's no way I could ever find myself. But uh, I'm in plenty of episodes. I used to do that show all the time. But her her daughter is in that show. And I will say, oh. you know, I was on set with her several times. We spoke and, you know, chit-chatted in the halls and whatnot. An absolutely lovely human being. She, she's actually all right. She's one of the few good people in Hollywood, I would say, her daughter.
0: All right. I've got to get a piece of trivia out here that is from my childhood. Do you know who Pat Roach is? mm So Pat Roach is the eight-foot-tall monster who plays yeah. in the beginning of Raiders. He is the guy in the Nepalese bar the Nazis bring in who yeah. Marion bangs over the head with the log, right? He's wearing okay. a turban. Okay, that's his okay. first role. Then in the same movie, he's the massive, bald airplane mechanic who gets killed by the propeller. That's Pat okay. Roach. Same guy, two, two parts in the same movie. And in Temple, he's the giant Sikh guard that gets mashed up by the Stone Roller. Same guy, three parts.
1: That's amazing, that's amazing isn't that uh I, I'm pretty sure that the left would call that blackface now and he'd <laughs> yes. be uh, cancelled.
0: And why do I know? But what a magnificent! I didn't even realize. And why do I know all this? Because Pat Roach was a wrestler when I was a kid in England. He was actually a wrestler. He's a famous wrestler <sighs> okay. who did, you okay. know, doubled okay. up big, massive hulks. All right, I'm just living my life here. I'm a love. I'm enjoying Raiders, all three of them, with my buddy Chris Coles. This is making movies great again on America First, coming to you from the ReliefFactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating. Half a million Americans right now meet. Included. There's only one way to find out for yourself if it could work for you. Order the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com right now. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of two, three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. Call right now, 800 500 84 relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com.
1: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800 702 5400. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
0: Welcome back to Making Movies Great Again with me, Sebastian Gorka, and Chris Coles. All right. I can't believe how fast the time flies. We may, we may have to dedicate one of our days. We may have to do three hours on, on one movie or, or one set of movies because it just flies too fast. All right. Let us move on to the third and final movie in the Indiana Jones trilogy, which is, um, of course, uh, the Holy Grail. You say this is the one that you enjoy the most because it's the most humorous. Yeah,
1: I, I I can watch this. If it comes on television, I'll just keep watching it. I mean, uh, who doesn't love the moment where Indy throws the guy off the plane <laughs> and turns to the everybody else – or the blimp, sorry, and, and turns to everybody else and just goes, no ticket. And everybody just pulls their tickets out like crazy. I mean, there's so many moments like that in this movie, and uh, it really is – I mean, this is, and you got Sean Connery as his father. Yes. What a what perfect
0: casting! The man who inspired Indiana Although, Jones. Although allegedly he didn't want to take the role because there's only like thirteen or fourteen years between them, and he didn't want to play yeah. his dad. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, some people. I mean, you and I are the same age, and you look like you could be my dad. <laughs> who, who invited this guy? I mean, seriously. I give him a platform. I give him three million listeners. I give him some credibility, and he sits there, and he just pisses on. I hey, mean, what did I call you at the beginning of the show? I said, this is the Han
1: Solo to my Luke Skywalker.
0: Yes, but you didn't do it on air, and I told you you gotta do the, You got to do it on air. All right. Um, we've got the – let's go to um, cut three. This is kind of personal for me because when I was in defense department, I did uh, counterterrorism training for military officers that were allied and partnered to the United States. And I'm going to say it right now, sorry. My best students outside of my American students were my Jordanian students, uh, especially the counterterrorism battalion that looks after the king, um, Aref, if you're watching, General Aref. You know who you are, the best, the toughest, the smartest. And, of course, I went to Jordan to, you know, to, to visit my buddies. And this moment where they take Petra, which for some reason hadn't been too played out in movies, and they make this the resting place uh, of the, you know, the, the Valley of the Crescent Moon and the Holy Grail. What, what a beautifully done scene. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. I mean, what's, yeah, it is weird
1: that this wasn't played out up to this point, but you know, they didn't have the technology back then. I mean, the world is so much smaller now. People don't really realize how, you know, you've got the entire library of every, every book ever written right here. It's – we're we're unbelievably lucky, and we don't realize that you – know, you actually had to fly to this location, bring the whole set. Everything was done manually. There was nothing digital. So you had to find a beautiful set like this to shoot it, and uh, what a magnificent place.
0: If you ever go – have you ever been to Jordan? No, I've not. If you go there uh, – spoilers, guys. Massive disappointment when you get – it's called the Treasury. It's actually called the Treasury, that building that the Nabataean <laughs> Empire built in Petra. You go inside – and it's this tiny room full of trash. I mean, they're, they're, there's nothing in there. there wow. There's no building inside. Just from the tourists, building. you mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just stuff left by tourists. It's like a square room and dust on the ground. So stick stick to this part and this uh, this this scene with the various yeah. grails, Alice and Doody, you know, tricking her Nazi master, and then the immortal knight saying he chose poorly. I mean, that's pretty yeah. good. That's
1: pretty good. Not only that. You know, the, the, just the idea of that is the cup of a carpenter. Yes. Just that idea was so revolutionary, such a brilliant moment in, in cinema. Uh, but then, of course, afterwards, if you really think about it, you think, oh, you just find the cup that doesn't look like any of the other cups. <laughs> <laughs> if you think it
0: through later, it actually doesn't make any sense. And let's give credit to Alison, because I think she was 19 when she auditioned and she was like 20 when she played this. Pretty impressive, pretty, and for a woman—not just that, but absolutely stunningly beautiful woman who has a pretty thick Irish accent in real life and did that Austrian accent pretty well.
1: I didn't know that. Wow, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. fantastic. Although, although apparently, according to uh, the indications of the script, the character does sleep with both Indy and his father, which I find a little bit disturbing. Well, she does talk in her sleep. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. I, I remember watching that as a kid going.
0: Yikes! <laughs> no, but but the chem- no, the chemistry game. between them is really quite superlative, don't you think? Between mm-hmm. uh, between Harrison and Sean. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, their interactions are always brilliant.
1: And uh, the fact that Sean Connery plays something of a coward, a little bit, was is, is is you know you expect or, or, him to be or, or, James or, Bond or kind
0: of pacifist.
1: A pacifist, exactly. And, and then, you know, he does, of course, rise to the occasion as he needs to throughout the movie. But uh, I, I, I would say, like, one of my favorite moments in any indie film, and uh, Steven Spielberg says that he kind of regrets this because he took the whole kind of Nazi thing a little bit too lightly, he felt like when he was younger. But it's a great moment when Indiana Jones bumps into Hitler yes. and Hitler
0: <laughs> signs his book. What what did I'm curious because I missed that what what did Spielberg say that he touched it too lightly or not enough or overdid it? Yeah, because it's not that he is. I don't I I don't know if I I
1: should say he regrets it, but obviously he did Schindler's List. Yes, and when he did Schindler's List, you know Spielberg being Jewish, having relatives I believe that were in the Holocaust. Uh Maybe that's not true, but um, but he was you know he thought okay these are my people I need to show respect you know through my work. And of course, when he did Schindler's List, he absolutely did that. And I think maybe he's—I I felt like I don't remember exactly what he said, but I've—I've I've seen an interview where he does talk about the Indiana Jones moment, and that obviously did, didn't present the gravitas that maybe the Jewish people felt about the, the Nazis. Um, but at the end of the day, come on—I mean, it's—it's it's a moment in history that. Real life people did you know there he had maids, he had people working for him chauffeurs and stuff like that. you know these people weren't necessarily bad people, right they just happened to live in that part of the world at that time, and so not every little moment of every everybody's life during that time was just pure evil you know it doesn't have to always be like that uh and we need to find the funny moments in in tragedy i i, I feel well, like, and, and also there really, was a very
0: go. powerful juxtaposition in in that scene which lasts what maybe three or four minutes when he you know tracks her down tracks uh, the, the 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 nazi um historian down to berlin and the first thing you see is the pile of books being burned so it's yeah. it's not yeah. comedy for the sake of comedy you're, you're going to a nazi book burning and then you just happen to bump into Hitler. We're talking to Chris Coles, a.k.a. Mr. Reagan. Please subscribe right now to his YouTube channel. Follow him on Twitter. It's Mr. Reagan USA. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is Making Movies Great Again. Coming to you from the America first ReliefFactor.com studios, just outside the insalubrious, fetid-rank, malodorous swamp that is Washington, D.C. If you're in daily pain, if you've tried everything else and failed to find relief, please do what I did. Try Relief Factor. It's not just me. It's half a million people. It's people like Yvonne from California. This is Yvonne's story. Both my husband and I are in our 70s and are so grateful to have found Relief Factor. We tried so many other solutions, but none of them have given us the freedom of being pain-free like Relief Factor. Just those two words, pain-free should be reason enough for you to order the three-week quick starter pack for the paltry sum of nineteen ninety-five today at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me, Yvonne, and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. You deserve to know. You've waited long enough. What have you got to lose? Well, except for the pain. Call now, 800-583-84-relieffactor.com. That's 800-583-84-relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. We'll be back with Chris in a moment. Welcome back to Making Movies Great Again. Very exciting. Um, tell us about your new venture. I think uh, it may have something to do with this current endeavor. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, for about two years now, I've been thinking about doing a
1: channel where I do talk about movies and TV shows and stuff like that. And, uh, since and, and we you had to wait for some one...
0: inspiration from this, uh, this more sagacious elderly gentleman. Is that right?
1: I've had a lot of people talking to me recently about this. Coincides with our starting this show. And in fact, you're talking about how much you loved Andor, the new show Andor. Yeah. I hated Andor. Mm-hmm. And that's unusual that you and I disagree yeah. so much about a particular project. So I thought, I got, I have to explain why I don't like this. And this is a great first episode for my new sh- uh, channel. So I've got a whole new channel, and it's called Alpha Critic. And in Alpha Critic on on YouTube, I'm going to be reviewing everything that comes up. I'll be talking about Star Wars. I'll be talking about all the new stuff that comes out. But the first episode
0: is on Andor, and it's already on YouTube.
1: That's right. I posted it this morning.
0: Beautiful. All right. I can't wait. What a great title. Alpha Critic. Alpha Critic. I'm going to watch it. Then I'm going to lambast him on Twitter in front of <laughs> yeah, my 1.2 million the- followers for trashing Andor. He, nobody will subscribe to his account ever again, and he will apologize <laughs> oh, no. publicly on his YouTube channel. Um, okay, let's, let's cut to the chase. Next movie. What are we doing, dude? Wow. Okay. All right. Well, you
1: didn't want to do Back to the Future. I felt that was the natural next Project.
0: I just, but, uh, I just, I'm not a big. Doesn't excite me. I, I people, you know, say Zemeckis wrote the best script ever. I just don't buy. It. Pick something that's really close to your heart, or or you think hasn't got requisite uh, recognition. Oh God. Well, I haven't thought about it. Have you been thinking about it? What are your, what are your, uh, what are you been thinking about? Well, look, there, there's all kinds of things. I, I just saw. I don't think we should delve into this. But while you're thinking, oh. I was on uh, Pluto, which is my new kind of default because it has. You know, it has classic movie channels. I love yeah, documentaries. Sure, it's got a Doctor Who, a Doctor Who channel. It's like, when well, my wife goes to bed at 9 o'clock and I'm up till 2 a.m. I'm watching Doctor Who from the 1970s as a child. And then, a Sleepless Night, I, I, I come over the Classics channel. And I, I must have seen this when I was a kid. They had the, the, the uh, Battle of Britain movie. Uh-huh. In uh-huh. Incredible. Lawrence Olivia, Michael Caine. I mean just a stellar cast, Christopher Plummer. And then no CGI, of course, because it's nineteen seventy-eight or something, produced by by Harry Saltzman of the James Bond fame. And they've yeah. actually got Spitfires. And Nazi Messerschmitts. and I'm going. How the wow. flip did they do this? I've never seen this movie. I'll have to watch this. Uh, you, you, but I'll you know, tell you what. I I think I figured out. I've given him enough time. I I
1: Christmas is coming up. Yes. What is the most controversial Christmas
0: film of all time? Die Hard. That would be the one. Dude, nailed it. All right. so, so, are we going to limit ourselves to just one? Yes. We could we can talk a bit think enough so. about.
1: I I mean, the yeah. first one is the iconic. Yes. One. two yeah, two's not do... bad
0: but let's no. let's devote because he deserves it Bruce deserves it um, and let's just put it in here who was meant to play the character originally oh I think I do know this but I don't remember it's really weird because they bought the rights back in the 1960s to a novel the book the film yeah. is based upon a novel they bought back in the 60s. I did I,
1: I have heard this but why don't you just go
0: ahead and uh, break it to Frank Sinatra. That's right. right. That is right. Or right, that's enough. No more no teasers. I'm Sebastian Golka. This has been making movies great again. Tune in next week for Die Hard. Our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. I have a dream today. Ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
1: I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. you and
0: the people... Yeah! And the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And we will make America great! This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. We're going to use the power of subpoena.
1: We're going to use the power of the purse. And we're going to come after Mayorkas. And he needs to go. We need to make an example of Mayorkas. And he'll be just the start of what we do in this in this new Congress. But he's absolutely got to go. He's uh, been a complete, absolute disaster. And he has been the lead on making this happen, the, the border uh, being the disaster that it is. This, let's make no mistake about it. This could not be happening without Biden. Biden and Mayorkas, they are the traffickers in chief right now.
0: The Traffickers-in-Chief. That is Congressman Ronnie Jackson, former physician to President Trump, and I'm Sebastian Gorka, your host here on America First. It is great to be back in the saddle. I hope you had a blessed, blessed Thanksgiving and a long weekend. The whole team is back. It's shocking. Everybody's here today. Uh, We have so much to cover for you. It looks like Elon Musk has declared war on Apple. And it looks like the people of China have had enough with the communist regime that has lauded it over them since 1948. Our number here. To sound off on the issues of the day is eight three 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 33 That's 833-334-6752. First, let's deal with a story that maybe I shouldn't be uh, talking about because it's kind of died a death. I didn't even clear it with Mr. G. Does he trust me to talk about it? He's going to leave that phone and he's going to tell me right now. Mr. G, in the uh, pre-show meeting... We didn't discuss the infamous dinner at Mar-a-Lago. What do you think? Should I talk about it or not? You got to. I got to. All right. I have my permission. I've got my green light. So what happened? Uh, it was reported, thanks to a surreptitious phone camera photograph. It's a private club, guys. You shouldn't be taking photographs in Mar-a-Lago. Nobody does that. Nobody takes selfies with the president at Mar-a-Lago. Am I right? That President Trump had dinner with Kanye, I don't care what he calls himself now, Kanye West, who had in tow in his entourage that very peculiar individual, Mindlow Yiannopoulos, and somebody I hoped we'd never have to mention again on my show, an individual who is despicable, who probably has mental issues, Who goes by the name of Nick Fuentes, who is a Holocaust denier and who is the worst of the worst. If there is a fringe of the conservative movement, it is the likes of Nick Fuentes. And apparently it was tweeted out that Kanye West had dinner with President Trump at his private club in Palm Beach, along with Nick Fuentes and Milo Yiannopoulos. Since then, the president has clarified the matter and he has stated that he was having dinner by himself when Kanye West came up to talk about his running, Kanye's running, for the presidency and had in tow with him none other than Milo Yiannopoulos and Nick Fuentes, the Holocaust denier. Much hullabaloo has been made of this individuals say, oh my gosh, Trump had dinner with, well, I don't know, he's a black guy, so you can't call Kanye white supremacist, but, but, but with Holocaust denier Nick Fuentes. Well, sitting at dinner and having somebody come up to you is a little bit different, isn't it? But I think there's a better angle to all of this. And Julie Kelly summarized it perfectly in a tweet of hers recently. She said, and I'm just paraphrasing, she, she, darling, you know, you know, if I had the tweet in front of me, I'd read it completely uh, accurately. But she said something like. A dinner. Really? Are you serious, guys? Southern borders open. Revolution breaking out in China. War in Ukraine. Oh, it was to do with the prisoners, I think. She said something like. Um DOJ-FBI hunting down and imprisoning MAGA supporters, and you're talking about dinner at Mar-a-Lago? Now, let me be clear here. Nick Fuentes, if he's not psychotic, I mean, if he's not in control of his faculties, as far as I'm concerned, he will burn in hell. Unless he repents, unless he apologizes for saying what he has said on his channels before they were canceled for saying there's no way Hitler killed so many people and you couldn't even bake six million cookies that quickly he actually said that on a video he said you couldn't even bake six million cookies in an oven in six years so how did Hitler kill six million Jews this is how reprehensible heinous filthy just scum like Nick Fuentes is. How a, a young man born in America is that anti Semitic? Beggars' belief, it boggles my mind. Uh, but despite that fact, when he fanboys out on President Trump at his club, being towed along by Kanye West, who <laughs> likewise has clearly some psychological issues. I don't really care because I know President Trump doesn't know Nick Fuentes from a hole in the ground. And he was, because I know him, being polite to Kanye. Why? Because, you know, Kanye did for all his (sighs) reprehensible statements since then. He went to the White House. He sat in front of the Resolute desk. He put on a MAGA hat. He embraced the America First I'm not a victim, I love America, ideology. When as a black man, even a billionaire, but as a black man, (laughs) not, not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do. So President Trump was being polite to a man he recognized. But here's the issue. I don't care. Why? Because what I really care about is that we have political prisoners rotting in moldy, solitary cells right now within three miles, two and a half miles of where I'm sitting in Washington, D.C. People who didn't kill anybody, didn't steal anything. People who have no criminal record. People who who were honorably discharged from the military some of whom were cancer patients, denied their treatment simply because they stepped inside Congress on January the 6th or didn't step inside Congress but were charged anyway with obstructing an official proceeding. That's the problem in America, not who's having dinner at which table in Mar-a-Lago. The problem is we have political prisoners in America. The people of China are pushing back on the oppression. We have freedom here, ostensibly in America. And the party that is being persecuted, or the members of which are being persecuted, is doing nothing. God bless Ronnie Jackson. I hope they impeach, I hope they charge Mayorkas with aiding and abetting the cartels, because he and Biden have blood on their hands for the people who have already died in the last two years trying to get into the greatest nation on God's green earth. Dinner at Mar-a-Lago? I couldn't care less. Political prisoners? Two miles from this studio? Yeah, that's what matters 110,000 Americans no longer alive because of what China has smuggled into our country and they've overdosed on it. That's what I care about. How about you? Call board is absolutely full. We're going to have a guest talking to us for just a moment. And then we're going to get to Nancy, Phil, Johnny, Judy, and Glenn. Don't go anywhere. I'm Sebastian Gorka. Subscribe right now. Go to Spotify. Plug in my name, America First. Never miss our one-on-one discussions. Leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends because it's up to us to save the republic. And check out the latest, the most popular item at our website is the new FBI t-shirt created jointly with Chris Plant. FBI, Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. Get yours.